Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We're finishing up the book of 1 John this week. Lord willing, we've got 2 John and 3 John coming up and Jude as well. We've also got some other ideas for some episodes coming up as well to finish out this season. We're looking at verses 14 through 21 in 1 John chapter 5 this week. Last week, hopefully you remember that we continued John's thoughts on love, as he so often talks about in his writings. Also, we discussed the certainty of the witnesses to Christ, the essential elements of the gospel being his deity and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then don't forget that at the end, we looked at verse Uh, 13 last time, which says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So assurance there in knowing that we are faithful children of God uh, or not. Today we're going to look at our confidence in the power of prayer. After that, we're also going to notice sins leading to death versus sins that do not lead to death. And then uh, John is going to wrap up his first epistle by giving us some assurances about being on God's side. Verses 14 and 15, as we begin, confidence in the power of prayer. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If you look back at chapter 3, verse 21, it talks about confidence that we can have in God. And then in chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. So there you go, the prosperity gospel, right? No, uh, wrong. That is not the case. This is not teaching prosperity gospel. John is not saying that we will get our hearts every desire materially if we follow God. That's more or less what the uh, prosperity gospel teaches, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Rather, what John is saying is uh, we'll see it when we combine the thoughts of chapter 3, verses 21 and 22 with uh, the verse here in chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So does this text say anything about uh, us asking for a shiny, brand new Ford Mustang or, or whatever your favorite sports car is? No, that's not at all what this is saying. This is talking about reasonable request made to God on behalf of Christians uh, for his glory, and if according to his will, then we are guaranteed that he will hear us. Now, notice that we said he will hear us. Does that mean that we will always get the answer that we want? Again, uh, no. But we do have a promise that God will hear us uh, as we make a request to God uh, according to his will. Some other verses on this particular subject include Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus prayed. He said, not as I will, but as you will to the Father. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus is teaching on God giving good things to those who ask of him. 
Matthew 21, verse 22, Jesus saying, Whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So we have to ask in faith. John 14, verse 13, uh, Jesus talks about whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, Jesus says. That's John 14, verse 13. And then uh, James 1, verse 17, James talks about if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and it shall be given unto him. I think James also talks about in chapter 1 that we have to ask uh, in faith. Uh, We don't need to ask amiss. We need to believe in God as we ask of him. Verse number 15 here in John in first uh, John chapter 5 and if we know that if we know that uh, he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So again when we combine all these thoughts it is very clear when we ask God for good things in accordance with his will he hears us and he gives us what we need. Again his answers may not always be exactly what we wanted, but he will give us, uh, according to his will, what we need. So that's encouraging uh, when we read this in verses uh, 14 and 15. Now, verses 16 and 17, uh, these couple of verses are a doozy. So uh, sins leading to death versus sins not leading to death. I agree with Brother Guy in Woods in his commentary on this section. If we can nail down that John has already provided further details about sin in this epistle, uh, and he has, and we've talked about that uh, on the podcast so far, if we can nail those things down, then it's going to help us figure out what John is talking about here. So I'll go ahead and read these two verses, verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So what is John talking about here? We need to take the complete picture of sin as offered in this epistle of of, uh, 1 John and, of course, throughout the Bible. 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10, John has already established that all Christians do sin. And that confession of sins, a willingness to admit sin in our lives, is key to being uh, able to be forgiven. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The verse prior to those, if you look at verse 7 in chapter 1, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we must be willing to do what as faithful Christians? To keep on receiving the benefits of remission of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, number one, we have to keep on walking in the light. That's a, a lifestyle of faithfulness. Number two, We have to keep on confessing, admitting our sins, being willing to admit that we're not perfect. And when we sin from time to time, we confess those. And then God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as we repent. A couple of parallel passages 
of uh, what some refer to as God's second law of pardon. Sometimes we use that terminology to describe this. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 18 through 24, Simon the sorcerer had just been converted. He became a Christian, but uh, after he became a Christian, he sinned again by coveting the apostles' ability to impart miraculous gifts there in Acts chapter 8. Peter actually told him, your money perish with you. Uh, If you think you can uh, buy the gift of God with your money, your money perish with you is essentially what Peter tells him. So Peter then told him that he needed to repent and pray that he would be forgiven. So again, this is God's second law of pardon, as we sometimes say. Also, James chapter 5, verse 16 would be another parallel passage. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Also, go back to 1 John, First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Thus, we can conclude the following about Christians who sin. And uh, again, we can call this God's second law of pardon. Christians are not supposed to keep on sinning after becoming Christians. Certainly, we're not to uh, have lifestyles of sin. Uh, We should commit ourselves to Christ, not sin. Uh, We should be the servants of Christ in righteousness, not the servants or the slaves of sin. That's Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans 6 verse 1 says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, uh, into, into verse 2. So Christians are not supposed to keep on sinning after becoming Christians. However, it is inevitable that Christians will sin from time to time. We have to acknowledge that. We have to admit that. And 1 John chapter 1 uh, goes into that. When we do sin, Jesus Christ is our advocate on our behalf, as we read in 1 John chapter 2. Continuing to be forgiven even after we are baptized is contingent upon continuing to walk in the light. What does that require? Walking the light requires repenting, confessing our sins, and praying for forgiveness of our sins. Also, from time to time, for instance, when our sins are of a public nature and we have brought reproach upon the church, we need to pray for one another as Christians that we may be forgiven uh, after confessing those sins, James 5, verse 16. So let's put all of that together and again read verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 again says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. So what kind of sins do not lead to death? Well, sins that are confessed and admitted and repented of and prayed over. What about someone who is just bound and determined to keep on sinning, to keep on rebelling against God? Is prayer for that person just going to magically make uh, everything okay if they're refusing to repent? Absolutely not. And so God uh, will not forgive them in that case. So those sins unrepented of, stubbornly uh, unadmitted by the Christian who is in open rebellion to God, those are sins that lead to death, and uh, they will. They will lead to death if that person continues down the road of refusing to repent. 
Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So can any one sin cause someone to go to hell? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Any one sin that a person just refuses to repent of or refuses to admit that he has done. But there is sin not leading to death. That would be sins repented of and confessed and prayed for. So hopefully that uh, explains that sufficiently. But uh, what if I don't know that I have sinned? What about a sin of ignorance? That's a a valid question as well. And uh, I think if we can go to the book of Hebrews for a moment, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, that uh, it will give us some insight on that. Hebrews 9, verses 6 through 8. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So the blood was offered for sins committed in ignorance as well, and it would cover those. King James Version says errors of the people, but if you look at uh, the Greek, I believe committed in ignorance is the uh, better translation there. Uh, The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So the way to heaven actually, of course, was going to come through whom? Well, we know this through Jesus, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6, no man can come to the Father except through him. And so uh, in the Old Testament, the priest had to make those offerings, looking forward to the coming atonement that Jesus' blood would would offer. And uh, those offerings included offerings for the sins committed in ignorance. So if you continue reading in chapter 10, verses 1 and following of Hebrews, it talks about how the high priest would have to make this very big sacrifice once a year. Um, year after year. And of course, that was the Day of Atonement sacrifice. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16 uh, to continue covering the sins of the people until Christ would come, and then uh, those sins would be washed away by his blood. So the Old Testament sins, they were, you know, sometimes we use the phraseology, they were rolled forward, if you will. Uh, they were covered, but in the coming prospect, uh, in prospect of the coming uh, saving blood of Jesus Christ. Verses 11 and 12 in Hebrews chapter 10 uh, make it clear, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus's blood then covering those sins committed uh, in ignorance. What if I know that I have sinned? Well, then I, if I know it, I, I have to repent of it and confess it and uh, pray to God. And uh, what if I'm just willfully ignorant? Well, uh, the less I know, the better off I'll be. Is that how it works? No, absolutely not. We have to study to show ourselves approved uh, unto God. So um, it would be a sin and a willful sin not to study um, in order to show ourselves approved unto God. So um, ignorance isn't going to cover that. But um, sins of ignorance can be covered by the blood of Christ uh, if it's truly something that uh, we're just ignorant of because we haven't um, learned about it yet 
even though we are diligently studying uh, the Word of God. Hopefully that helps with that particular question. I know that's kind of a, a doozy of a question. Verses 18 through 21, the uh, conclusion of the epistle with assurances of being on God's side. Chapter 5, verse 18. So this verse says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And of course, that would be does not habitually live in sin because we know that uh, John has already said that we do sin. So that has to mean here does not live in sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. So is this teaching once saved, always saved? Absolutely not. Uh, there are so many verses in God's Word that teach uh, that uh, once saved, always saved is false. This verse actually teaches the exact opposite because it says that we have to keep ourselves. We have to keep ourselves faithful, and uh, then the wicked one cannot touch us. What if we do not keep ourselves? Well, then the devil will have us, won't he? So we have to keep ourselves uh, saved, if you will, by living faithfully. We must stay on God's side. Verse 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So this is the contrast between the children of God and the children of the devil. We've talked about this uh, in in this uh, series on 1 John already. Chapter 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So this is an excellent summation of the certainty and the assurance that we have uh, because of the truth of the gospel and the knowledge of our salvation and uh, making sure that we're living accordingly uh, to the gospel. And then finally, verse number 21, as uh, we wrap up our study of First John, little children, Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So John quite abruptly uh, ends his epistle here, but this is a very important reminder. We have to keep ourselves from idols. Anything that would be put ahead of God is an idol in our lives, and we have to uh, make sure that we don't do that. We've talked about lots of these things uh, through the years on this podcast. It might be putting our politics ahead of God. We had a podcast on that might be uh, putting sports ahead of God. We've talked about that multiple times on this podcast. It might be putting our money ahead of God, and, and we've talked about that as well. There are all different kinds of things. Uh, maybe it's our hobbies and, and our time, and so we'd rather do that than uh, attend worship faithfully, things like this. Uh, all these different things, if we put them ahead of God, then those are idols in our lives. A family. Uh, we could even idolize our family. And well, I know uh, that my son is in an adulterous marriage now, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bend the rules. I'm gonna change my view, even though I know what the scripture says. I'm gonna change my view uh, because of his marriage situation. No, we can't do that. If we're doing that, then we're idolizing our relationship with our family uh, above our relationship with God and His truth. So these are important reminders. And again, we have to keep ourselves away. From idols. I hope that you have found the book of 1 John to be edifying, uh, building us up in the faith. It's a very encouraging uh, epistle. And it talks about love a lot. It talks about the assurance that we can have, that we can know 
that we are of the saved. It encourages us not to sin, things of this nature. Very, very important epistle uh, of First John. As I said at the beginning, we still have Second John and Third John, as well as Jude. And uh, we will cover the rest of those, Lord willing, this season. And then we will have covered all of the general epistles uh, on the Everyday Christian podcast. And we'll have to find something else uh, for a couple seasons from now to uh, go through in the Bible as well. We've got a few other topics lined out, and I hope that you'll stick around for those as well as we continue Season 6 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.